Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped and honored that you've decided to join us today. This week, we've got an awesome episode coming up. We have a special episode. We're joined by Donald C. Kelly, the sales evangelist. That's right. It's Donald C. Kelly, the sales evangelist. Now, for those of you that don't know, Donald is a host of his own podcast. It's uh, been going for five years. He's produced over 1,100 episodes, which is insane. When you think about the work required to put out an episode to produce 1,100, he's an absolute machine. Donald is also the founder of the TSC Sales Program. Donald is also a trainer, a facilitator and coach who is actively pursuing and helping give back to the community and helping salespeople do better and do bigger things. So this is truly an awesome opportunity for us to learn from somebody that is engaged with so many different thought leaders around the world around the, you know, the topic of sales and marketing. Why is this important for me? Why am I so excited to have Donald on a show? Because over the years, I've listened to countless hours of podcasts. I read books. I listen to Audible. And there's one show that really stands out for me. And Donald has been producing content for over five years. And his content has made me a better sales professional. So we're going to talk about you know, what he's learned during this journey and what are some of the characteristics that these guests share and implement that make them so good at what they do. Guys, the other thing I want to remind, please jump on, like us, rate us, wherever you listen to your podcast. Share with our listeners this podcast and what you like about it. Also, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm loving receiving feedback from everyone. It's truly humbling to hear the impact this show is having on so many sales professionals. So guys, buckle up. This is going to be an insane episode and can't wait uh, to hear your feedback about you know the sales evangelist. Welcome, my man. Hey, 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 everyone. This is Donald C. Kelly, the sales evangelist. Yeah, <laughs> so that was that. insane, man. I got to <laughs> ring my sales bell. <laughs> I Woo, love that, man. Bring some money in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. What, a, what an honor it is to have a guy that's uh, contributed to my career on such a positive level join the Sales IQ podcast. So welcome, my man. Dude, it's an absolute honor. I appreciate you being having me being here, man. Because I know it's I know what it's like to get guests to come on your show, and you you know you want to filter, you want to make sure people who are going to be good and appropriate, and you know can actually add value to the audience. So I'm actually really humbled whenever somebody invites me to come on their show. So thank you, man. I appreciate it. No, man, and I appreciate you, brother. Like I said, I you know I've, I've spent countless hours running or on the train listening to the sales evangelist <laughs> and the content you produce is insane. I mean, I think it, it's five years you've been going for, if I've served me correctly, my memory. My goodness, yeah, five yeah. years. Five years. And uh, you're hitting <laughs> you're over 1,100 episodes. Yes, yes, dude, we just hit. Today, actually, I was just doing my, um, some of the stuff because Mondays is my podcast recording day, so we're recording all day today. Um, and then we'll get everything, all the content prepared and stuff like that throughout the week, um, for the next couple of weeks, but we're this for my next week's episode. So next Monday, it's going to be 1122. 
11.22. That's insane, so, man. Yeah, man. We're cooking with fire. Absolutely. <laughs> if I got a dime or a dollar for each of those episodes, <laughs> Well, technically but, I have, so. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, like as a listener, right, when I was running and listening and, you know, the study, I didn't get an appreciation of what is actually involved in putting a podcast together until I decided to to give it a crack. Um, yeah. And and I'm not talking, you know, I hear some really great podcasts and I hear some, you know, some podcasts that maybe not as good, but I think the preparation that goes into a really good podcast and the questions that we think about and, and when you bring it, you bring it. And so I can only yeah. imagine how much time goes into actually preparing for, for your podcast, man. Yeah, dude, it is. It's a... Uh... It's gnarly. I mean, it got, it got gotten easier over the years, but yeah. the first time doing it, it was like anything else. That which we persist in doing becomes easier. Not that the nature of the thing changes, but our ability to do it changes. And uh, that's an Emerson quote. But the, the 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 preparation still has to be up to par in order for listeners to come back and to listen. Because if it's a boring episode, then they're going to be turned off and not want to check it out. So it's it's grueling. But, you know, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. So, <laughs> so tell us, obviously, before we get into the whole, you know, what you've done from a podcast perspective, what you've learned, how did you get, like, tell us a bit about your sort of um, entry into the world of sales. So, I did sales. Growing up as a kid in Jamaica, we had a... Um, I've always just seen my family uh, hustle. I was talking, my dad is still in Jamaica. So I was talking to him yesterday and dude, they're still hustling, trying to, you know, still doing stuff. Right. But one of the, the, and for those yesterday's father's day, um, whenever you're listening to this episode, but one of the things that he, um, I saw him do and my mom and my cousins and aunts was just the idea of working hard. And in my mind at that point, selling was just being business. It's just, yeah. that's, what business was about. So want to be a businessman. And then <laughs> I was pretty outgoing. And then friends in high school and college were like, man, you should be, you should consider going into sales. And so I did some telemarketing stuff and uh, getting people to go to timeshare presentations and realized that I kind of like this idea of encouraging and persuading or helping people persuade themselves. And then eventually I did well in, in different consumer sales stuff. I eventually did door-to-door security sales. It was amazing. Earned some pretty decent money that summer and I did it one year. And then after I graduated, I went into B2B selling and then I got kicked in the face because <laughs> the way that I was selling B2C was totally different when you're trying to get executives and people on boards to say yes to a software enterprise solution that's going to you know, affect the whole organization. And it takes months to get that stuff set up. Yeah. So I went through a sales training program, a company put me through, actually it was a Sandler program at the time. And then I started to see a hockey stick in my performance. And I started to, from there, continue my sales development and study. And one of my buddies was like, man, you should check out podcasts. And then he was like, uh, he had a podcast and invited me to go on his podcast. But anyways, that we'll talk about that a little bit later. But that's yep. how I got into the sales arena. And then from there, I just started doing really well in the software space and started improving my skills and grew and um, made some pretty decent money and was very, very excited and fortunate for the yep. career that started to develop. Oh, that's awesome, man. And you, you reference your dad, and and yet we, we in Australia, it's not Father's Day yet. Um, we've got a few months, but um, and I saw yeah. I saw a photo of your um, 
I saw a photo of you and your dad. Uh, I think you're wearing pink shorts on Instagram or LinkedIn. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you mentioned that he had a bit of an influence. Um, what are some of the, you know, characteristics or some of the attitude and mindset that your father, um, I mean, did he have that influence on you or was it someone else that helped sort of describe that mindset? Well, some of it was was through him, through osmosis, so, so to speak. Yeah. Him, he and my mom separated when we were when I was younger, but I was still a part of his life, and he was still a part of my life. So I would go and see him, and I would see the things that he was doing, and he took care of my, my schooling. And uh, you know, most other countries, like especially in Jamaica, you have public and private schools. So, but private school is like bomb diggity. So yeah. I went to private school and he functioned that, but I wasted the money. <laughs> I wasn't uh, smart of a, a little kid, but anyways, the, um, he, I just saw that he took something from nothing and created it. It had a, it was a cesspool company that he started. Right. Yeah. And he had one truck and they would go out and do the cesspooling stuff. And then from there, he started doing blueprinting as well. And so he had this compound that he created with like five businesses that one of them was doing a blueprint. He had the the cesspool company going, which was pretty known. He was pretty known in a community. And then he had uh, his... They had a, a salon there like as well. And then it had a restaurant and, um, but yeah, the restaurant and cesspool were too different. So don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a restaurant and, um, and then he had these uh, performances that they would rent out his downtown amphitheater little area. So I was like, man, this is cool. It's like the Kelly empire. I want to be able to do that. I want to yeah. be able to push, you know, make stuff like that happen again or in the future. So that was there. And then my mom, she, when we moved to the U S and, uh, she, you know, she hustled and just worked her tail off and worked multiple jobs and, and so forth. And the income that we received was meager in the U.S. And, you know, Jamaican money translated to U.S. dollars wasn't all that fancy, right? Um, but so with, uh, with still yet my mom just like hustling, seeing her work two jobs and doing all of those things, it made me realize that I'd I want to be able to provide for her someday and also be able to see the, how hard she worked showed me that I needed to work hard. So anything at this point in my life, anything that you needed, you needed to, anything that the, I see my family do stuff and all of that stuff that they've done, they had to work for and to hustle for yeah. From my dad working to build his business to my mom hustling multiple jobs. So therefore translating my mind, DK, if you want something, go out and hustle for it, go make it happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. So it's really, it's really been doctored some really strong, work beliefs for yourself yeah yeah oh, for that's, sure, dude. that's awesome man and mate i, I want to ask because five years ago i mean look podcasts they're, they're really taking off in the last sort of couple of years but i mean five years ago what inspired you to just get up and go right i'm gonna i'm gonna start a podcast Ooh, ooh. i would say it was jared easily because i started alluding to this Jared Easley, he invited me to come on his show. Yeah. Then, well, back up. Let me give you the full story. You've heard of podcast movement, right? Yeah. So podcast movement, biggest podcast event in the world here in the U.S. My friend Jared Easley is one of the founders, he and Dan Franks. And one of the things Jared and I were talking about, he was a, one of the technicians that came in, a, a, a project manager. And we have interaction with a project manager in a software company I was working with. So he said, 
you know, we should do breakfast sometime. He saw my energy and excitement and personal development stuff. And we started talking about some business ideas and we just didn't have the funding or the capital to be able to get these softwares that we were uh, contemplating off the ground. But then he went to this event and came back and he's like, dude, the world of podcasting is a whole new world. You should check it out. Yeah. So he started doing a podcast, a podcast on, it's called Starve the Doubts. Okay. And then he invited me to be a guest on that, kind of like personal development. And then I did a couple, a little segment. And then he was like, man, you should start your own podcast as well. So it was like, interesting. <laughs> and then I uh, started, uh, just started doing it. I started a video one first off and it was, I included in a blog because I was, I thought it was easier than to go through all the tech stuff to set up a podcast. I was like, I don't know how to do that. But it wasn't that difficult. He gave me the guidance and I, you know, saw some different trainings on how to do it. Pat Flynn had a course on how to set up a podcast and yeah. it was pretty fairly simple. So anyways, I went through that, did that. And then uh, from a, from that standpoint, it was, it was scary, but it was cool that I could share something with other people. Yeah. So why did I do it? One, I wanted to learn too. And I figured if I could get guests that I could learn from, I didn't have to spend thousands of dollars. So it was yeah. kind of selfish to get their trainings, but I can have conversation with them. I can build relationship. I rub elbows with folks like Gittimer and all of these different folks. Uh, Jeb Blunt, we did some um, with the Sales Gravy organization. We did some co-branding things early on. So all these things were pretty cool. And I was like, wow, yeah. this is amazing. And then the other part to this was because I was getting my personal development people also was benefiting from it. Like yourself, like you, you know, yourself, you mentioned you were listening to the show and you started getting, you know, motivated and getting excited from some of the content, from some of the guests, and then started hearing people share how it's benefit their lives or it helped them. Like I have an email right now in my, um, actually it's a LinkedIn message from a guy. He said, you probably don't remember me and I have to go back through my email, but he reached out to me like, several years ago and started to when he started into his career and anyways fast forward now he's at uh, a company in the midwest um, drift they do the messaging yeah, yeah drift, and yeah. he's uh, you know big with their sales team and he's like bro i don't think you realize how much you helped me and so forth and you know we want to connect i want to send you some stuff and all of this and it's just kind of cool That's to sick. see individuals and now at the five-year mark uh, we're end of this year will be six years we're going to see that how people have transformed from, I've seen individuals come from being a entry level seller to now being an executive or to a sales leader role. And it's just really, really cool to see that they're able to feed off of that. So that's why I started it. Yeah. And it was to my personal development as well as now we've seen helping other people and, and then the gravy off of it as well. I mean, we created a business on it and now it's evolving. Like I yeah, can't tell awesome, you where man. we're going with it. It's crazy. And the TSE, um, the course, I've jumped on and had a look at the course and it's, you know, it's got the man on there, the sales evangelist. Um, <laughs> and it's great content. So we'll put some show notes of where our listeners can can engage with your content further later. So Appreciate it, man. So, man, five years, you're into it. Um, you must, you know, like you said, the Gittimers, the Jeb Blunts, you've interviewed, you know, the best of the best globally. Um, yeah. I mean... <sighs> I know it's hard to say, but is there anyone in particular that really stood out for you that made you stop and think, wow, you know, what, what an episode that was? Bro, there's so many of them. Like, uh, I, I can't really go back and pick one in particular that yeah. was just, that just was a smacking me in the face. But let me see if I can talk about a couple of them. One by David Hoffeld. David yeah. came on the show and we spoke about the science of science selling. Science of selling, man. That Sick one. book. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. I was like, I was really blown away by some of the things David was sharing there mm. um, and had an impact on me and helped me to, you know, tweak the way I was doing some of my selling. So yeah. that was a huge one. Another one that was a very impactful, was very way back in the beginning was Ralph Cantero. Yep. So if you go back, I think it's episode number three, Ralph Cantero said something that he was a big Grant Cardone fan and uh, new Grant and all this stuff. But one of the things Ralph talked about was his idea was mantra was this concept of uh, doing uh, it, it wasn't, it was just like doing extraordinary things like going for just going big at something, because yeah. if you go small, you're going to get small results, just go big. <laughs> so when I listened to that episode, I was like, Hmm, what if I was to start saying, do big things? Yeah. And literally that's where it started. So ah, from so that's there, where it comes. I was, okay. yeah. Go so out and like do this, uh, big things. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, just Sorry, challenge man. it. Every, <laughs> challenge yourself every day because sometimes what we do, and obviously I'm not telling you to, to bypass your ideal customer profile, Yeah. but I have seen where I've sabotaged myself because I've said, you know, I can't call into that person. I can't reach out to them on LinkedIn. Yeah. I can't make connection with that person. They're too big. It's like, what's, what's, what's worse that's going to happen? Do some big things. And I can yeah. tell you from me doing big things and thinking big, that's what's helped to catapult me. And, you know, Grant has this 10X concept and many people have a different iterations of this, but you must challenge yourself to go bigger at times yeah, than absolutely. what you're typically used to. So now that's awesome. So those man. are a few. Yeah. And, and, and during this journey, I mean, I know that like you've met, you know, countless professionals and countless um, experts at their craft um, yeah. would love to learn like or, or get an understanding from you, especially as the journey that I'm going. I'm really trying to understand, you know, what makes high performers, you know, so unique. Um, f- from your experience and from the learnings from these guys, are there anything that stands out to say this is what separates, you know, high performers from everyone else? Yeah. One of the first episodes I did, I can't remember. I think his is five, episode number five, yeah. uh, zero, zero, five. Don't worry, guys. I don't remember all of the episodes. <laughs> My mind is not. But I can pick some of them out. But Justin Sua, yeah. what, he sh- what he shared on the show was, um, it was he had written an article and it got – it started, it got a little viral and I was like, this guy sounds cool. And then one of my, turns a couple of my friends knew him got introduced to him and we had an interview and it was about 10 things that high performers do something to that nature. Yeah. But here's what I feel that high performers, the, the, what, what makes them tri- uh, tick different. They have the sense of outbeating themselves. Right. Yeah. If you think about it, sometimes I'm a competitive person and I like to compete, but you got to make sure your competition is not always your your enemy or somebody else. The competition oftentimes needs to be your, well, I guess it's mediocrity. Yeah. And if your mediocrity is always going to try to find you and always trying to, to, to tell you to, you know, keep you from performing to your best abilities, but top performers, they have this, this vendetta against mediocrity, against themselves mm. performing less and each day to try to outbeat themselves. Yeah. The other thing that I see that top performers do is that they, they'll do things that other people aren't willing to do because of that internal drive to improve themselves. They're not necessarily, they don't have an external factor all the time and they usually do, but the external factor could be a family or it could be, you know, some kind of accolades or whatever, but it's really comes back down to their, some wiring in their brain that mm. says, I need to be the best that I can be. I need to be the best 
Mary or Joe or Donald that I could be. And they're going to do the things naturally that separate them, such as staying late or coming in early, or they're going to get up and do the workout, even if it's cold or raining, or if it's sunny or hot, they're going to do it because it's just in their brain that it has to get done. They're also going to go above and beyond the call of duty. So they may be asked to get follow these three qualifications or get these are three things you need to do. These are the people that are going to do five, six. And again, it's not because of any outward acknowledgement. Their coworkers or people around them say, oh, man, they're just sucking up. They're trying to, you know, outbeat us. No, forget you. They're just trying to outbeat (laughs) their yesterday and to perform better than the way they were. And that's what I feel that separate these top performers. Yeah. And that and that is in the circle of that's in our circle of control, right? Oh, for sure. By all means, we have total dominance over that. Yeah. And uh, no matter, go back to Viktor Frankl, right? Viktor yeah. talks a lot about, from his uh, the oh man, it's going to kill me. What's the name of the book now? You're going to um, yeah. man searching, man search for meaning or search for happiness yeah. or whatnot. But the one of the things he he emphasizes, and at least the principle that I got from it, is that I'm in control of my destiny. I yeah. have control over my life. No matter what circumstance or situation I'm I'm in, I can still have control over it. And I'll give you another personal example. There's a guy that from my church, uh, and I feel so bad uh, for him. He's uh he's paralyzed, right? Okay. From the waist down, from since he was a teenage years, a yeah. terrible car wreck. He was married, and right now, like uh, his wife, well, throughout his life, his dad helped him. Dad lived next door to him. His wife is on life support and is oh. more than likely going to pass away today. I think they're pulling a plug. Oh, that's and it's, it's sad. And here's what this guy does, though. Even with all of the circumstances, he just keeps moving on. Yeah. He always pushes through. I'm not making this stuff up. Like um, it takes him forever to get into bed. Um, and, you know, a bunch of us from the church are, you know, helping him each day now and, and so forth because he has no one else around to yeah. be able to help him do this stuff. But the independence that he has and the way that he looks at life is so different than us who take it for granted. The things that we can do when we can walk and we can lock our doors and easily and, and, and secure ourselves and all the stuff that, mm. that he has a hard time doing. But he just has this look on life that he recognized, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to argue against God or universe or whoever or circumstances. He just takes it and he takes control of what what he does have control of and make it happen. And I feel that many of us, we blame other people as opposed to taking control of what we have. Say, these are the cards I have. These are the recipes Mm. (laughs) that I've given. What can I make with it? And let's go make something good. Absolutely, man. And and that's... You know, that's a pretty powerful story that you're sharing, you know, because – and I say this often to sales professionals or salespeople that they have that fixed mindset, you know. They've got that that blame mentality or that below-the-line mentality of somebody else's fault, the leads are no good, we haven't got the right systems, et cetera, et cetera. And I often yeah. say, mate, you know what, for a profession where you don't need a degree, um, where you don't need an education, you can get into sales with pretty much little, you know, little qualifications, Right. And you can make yep. an abundant, you know, a, a huge amount of money for what we do. When we actually, we're not saving people's lives, right? We're not actually uh, operating on brains or, or you know, giving giving sight to the blind. We're selling a product or service <laughs> that, sure, it has a positive impact because I believe that we've got to yep. do good in the world, right? And our product should have some form of derived value that's a positive. Um, but we get rewarded really well for what we do. And so- 
Um, but sometimes it's hard, yeah? We get stuck into that zone of, um, you know, that negative mindset. Have you ever had that experience where you've you've been a little bit negative or the negative talk, fixed mindset? And if you have, because I know you're such a positive guy, man, but if you have, <laughs> what, what have you done to sort of break that habit? Yeah, so I'll give you two reasons why. One, I became lethargic. Yep. And two, it was uh, three reasons. So one, I'll give you three examples. With I became lethargic. Two, I was uh, became jealous, and then three, I started mingling with the negative Nancy. <laughs> the first one where I became lethargic, I started doing well, and I'm pretty young, right? So yeah. I went on the sales team, and six, uh, I was, uh, I was the youngest guy, one of the youngest sellers in the company because it was a software company. A lot of these guys were seasoned account executives, and they. When I was hiring for the job, the boss, the CEO is one of the pure person that did the interview. It wasn't a large enterprise, it was a small, mid-sized company, but he did one of the interviews with me after a group interview. And he asked, why should I hire you versus the people with 10 years experience, 15 years experience selling software sitting in a yeah. hallway. And, and I was just like, I'm Donald freaking Kelly. I know I can do it. I can make it happen. I've done every, everything else I've done. I've performed well in, just teach me and I'll make it happen it took a risk on me. They didn't hire me as account executive and I was kind of upset, but I said, whatever, just get the job. They brought me in as inside sales when it was the best decision ever, because now when an inside, I was able to understand the process. I knew how yeah. to hunt. I went throughout the organization, met everyone in the teams. I understood what we were the best customers. And then in six months, the, some of these top uh, account executive quote unquote were out of the company. And I was one of the account executives now, and I knew how to hunt as well as I was getting inbound leads yeah. from, uh, inside sales. So I was performing well, yeah. but then what started happening, I got cocky and I got lethargic. I didn't want to, I didn't want to practice the things that I knew I needed to do. And then I started to see a negative, uh, uh, the, the outcome I didn't like. And then I started to get a little negative in my mind saying, you know, quickly starting to think, well, this is not working, blah, blah, blah. And then I had to wake up and realize, no, it works. It's just you stop being stupid. And I had to break myself out of that. But I had to first acknowledge that I was doing something that was wrong. Make sense on that? Yeah, absolutely, man. So you had to really have that self-awareness though, right? That you needed to make a change. Yeah. The second time was jealousy. We had this other uh, uh, individual came to company and she had worked with a company before so, but in a different capacity in marketing, but then she came into the sales side and started to do really well. And I was like, man, how in the world she's going to come in here and, and, <laughs> and do this stuff. And I was like, well, maybe it's because she knows more about the company. It's because she has better understanding. It's because of all of this other stuff, outward things that I was looking at as opposed to looking at it. So then I started to, cause I was, when I, when you run track as you know, uh, I run, um, I did track being Jamaican and one of the things that you learn <laughs> is that you don't look back, right? Yeah. None of your, your focus should be looking forward. So whenever I had a situation where, um, you know, I look back to see where my competition was, it slowed me down. And it's the same idea too, with this, I was looking back and, um, you know, slowing down my performance because I wanted to see how this person was doing or, you know, they're, they're winning these other deals and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't see it as me help, you know, as a, as a team, I was being jealous of them and that narrowed my performance. But then once I started to embrace and say, dude, stop being stupid, this person can teach you stuff open up your mind to it and start learning. 
then that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> it started to teach me things I didn't know. And I started to perform even better. So that was a, a time there. So I had to acknowledge again, myself, my limiting beliefs and that somebody can't do better or can't you know, perform better than me. And maybe I can learn from them. And there are times that I won deals that they didn't learn yeah. to win and so forth. And we just, it was, became friendly rivals. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but it was a good thing. It was a great thing. We started helping each other and we started working on different plans to, you know, help each other generate leads. And it was just so cool, but it was because I became humble. Yeah. And the third time was when we had some, um, this one guy came on our team. It was, you know, we all have them. They talk, 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 talk. And the, it was a team because, you know, you, when you usually hire in classes, right? So these new account executives came in and, dude, they were so negative. Like one of them was like, I, this, they do stuff different here and blah, blah, blah. And my last company and I was listening to him and then he started bringing up some things that were no, no one's perfect. So I started, he started pointing out some of the faults that I saw in the company. But then it, I started, I've ignored them before because it, I didn't care for them. I just could perform, doesn't matter what. But because he wasn't performing, because he wasn't working, he started to bring down a team like a rotten apple. Mm. And I gave into it. And then I, when I noticed it happening, because it just it's subtle, it's just like over time. And I was like, you know, over a few weeks, I'm like, come on, I can't be like this. So I got more things to do. I got to, you know, provide for my myself. And I wasn't married yet. Yeah. Actually, I was married. I was dating my uh, fiance at the time. I was like, I need money, man. Forget this crap. <laughs> and then I re I started ignoring. I just started ignoring them and started to focus and started to do what I need to do. And naturally what happens is that person eventually got fired because they weren't working and were complaining. And it's always somebody else's fault. So those three instances helped me tremendously in my career. One, yeah. I got lethargic, taught me that I need to always be on my game. Two, I got jealous and I realized you need to get rid of jealousy. You can't have that early, you can't have that in sales. And then three, negative people, you just need to put them out of your life. And I started to perform better and then eventually got fired. Man. So probably give you a lot more than you were asking for. Yeah, that's, that's gold though, right? <laughs> that's, 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 that's gold stuff. And on the flip side, because I found that um, being positive and, and trying to have that continued growth mindset, especially in sales, right? It's a one profession that we can do something today or for the past three months or six months that gets us a result. And then all of a sudden, what we've been doing just doesn't work anymore because people change, right? Yeah. And so it's one thing that I've found that it, it's always challenging or it's always an opportunity for me to continue to challenge my capability and grow. Um, and I find that I have to get myself a certain rhythm, a certain routine to enable me to have, you know, to be on the ball, right? Yeah. Um, what's something that you've done, you know, managing a family, um, you're pretty engaged with your, with your church and your community and then your business. Um, do you have a routine that you follow that helps you get the best mindset possible to be the best you can? Oh, dude, yes, yes, yeah. and yes. And do you mind sharing just a couple of things? Yeah, by all means, I'd be more than willing to share it. And um, yeah, and I'm actually working on something too. So maybe in eventually in the future, in a year or so, maybe it'll become actual product. Okay. But I, but what I did was I um I've always been a planner. No, yeah. I lie. As a, in high school, I used to be a checklist and I had this girlfriend that she was like a planner. Everything was all planned out. We're going to have classes this time. I have this done this time. We're going to go out after school this time. We're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. I have to go to work. And I was just like, hey, these five things, I just have to get them done today. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> but eventually, as I as I progressed and as I grew, I started becoming more of a day-to-day -day planner, planning out everything. Yeah. 
So then, because I started to see that it optimizes optimized my performance, it started to help me to perform in a much better way. So I then started to uh, plan out everything and meaningful each hour of the day. And then I eventually realized that I can do certain activities that give me much more bang. Yeah. And one of them, for me personally, everybody has their own thing with uh, the spiritual, whether that's like, um, you know, whatever their, their beliefs are. But I love, I the first thing I do in the mornings, I'll go into... Uh, personal development in scriptures. So I'll read scriptures for 30 minutes. And then from there, I have my workouts. So yeah. I work out, dude, workout is like money. You do your workout and listen to the podcast. So I do the workout and listen to podcasts. I'll yeah. listen to motivational stuff. I'll listen to books that I'm reading or listening to and, and get some juices going. And yeah. I cannot tell you like, dude, every time I do this, every time I do a really good workout and I'm di- uh, consuming content, all of a sudden afterwards, I have a plethora of ideas or I have a one idea that I'm able to mold through. If I'm working on my speech yeah. or a, you know, an event or workshop, when I go out and I do my run, bro, next thing you know, I start to get this thing proper and start to set it up and it, it just like flows properly. And I was like, it, it, so it's money for me. Mm. So that's one of the things. And then the next thing is eating right, right? Yeah. You got to, the the more, I wouldn't say older, the more mature I get <laughs> in, in age, <laughs> right? You realize you got to, whatever you put in, it's like that, that, that octane, that right fuel is going to help your body. Yeah. So I make sure I have a, a good breakfast that helped me out. And then obviously I kind of mentioned in there are reading books, but sometimes I have dedicated times. If I don't read a book during my work, uh, listen to a book during my workout or whatnot, I'll make sure I consume some kind of sales educational content. And those things help me to be able to get a good morning going. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's just like off to the races. And I'm a big believer in, I, I'm, I go to bed early and I wake up early and I, I, I love hustling and working hard, but I make sure I get the yeah. right, you got to get sleep, right? And I know some people are different on that. Like, you know, don't sleep, don't sleep, sleep when you're dead. <laughs> I was like, bro, I want to yeah. see my grandkids. So yeah. I'm going to sleep. And uh, so I you know, put my sleep in, but I also make sure I optimize my time when I'm awake so I can and perform to the best of my abilities. Yeah. And um, then, yeah, but those things help me do so. Man, that's awesome, and that, re- and this is this is a daily thing, right? So you're daily consuming content that helps you get yeah. on the ball. Yeah, this is awesome. It's and it's funny you talk about you know sleep and um, being efficient. And I was reading; I've just almost finished Michael Weinberg's new book, Sales Truths. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic book, and he talks about you know high performers are selfishly efficient. You know. They um, yes. they protect their time and they're planned and I love you know the things that you talk about and again this is this is going back to you know to be the best in sales or in, in as an entrepreneur or business it, it it's skills important but it's all the other stuff that is in our control you know what I mean it's um it's that that you've got that rhythm and routine and I'll share something that I'm going through at the moment that I'm a bit challenged by. Yeah. Um, and I need to break this habit because I was always, or have always been an early riser, right? I love the four or five o'clock. Mm. People go, it's crazy, but I love to be able to, <laughs> you know, get my run out before dark and then, I don't know, I just feel like I've got the whole world, I've got the whole day ahead of me, right? yeah? And yeah. I've, I've, I've now found myself getting up and I'm checking my phone, right? Mm. And yeah. it's not good because I'll check my phone, I'm looking at LinkedIn or I've got a whole bunch of notifications and I'm like, shit, I've got a response. So all of a sudden, because I planned my day the night before, so all of a sudden the things that I had planned to do the next morning and I'm finding, oh, shit, I better get on to this task, this, this customer's emailed something. And then at five o'clock in the morning, I'm sending stuff 
ignoring my most important my affirmations, you know, thinking about what's important for me to achieve for the day and then getting out to do my early exercise. And although I'm getting yeah. my exercise in, it's not it's not there in that first sort of half an hour. And I find that it's affecting my mental performance that I'm getting more fatigued during the day. And I'm just not at that creative, you know, we talk about sales, What's what, what makes us salespeople so great is, you know, that creative, our ability to be creative during the sales process, right? I found that it's it's limiting my ability to do so. Um, so I really resonate with what you're saying there, man, about doing that first half an hour, because that's a habit that I'm, I'm destined to break this week. It's not like I'm going to do it. It's happening. It's happening tomorrow because my phone's going in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I got myself an alarm clock, man. It's no excuse tonight, right? So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know what you mean, man. I, 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 I get it. I, I feel the same way because, I mean, we've all had that. I'm not going to lie and say I don't do that as well. You know, we yeah. all get that that push, but it's like, I just quickly realized I need to go into my scriptures and to, and to put that and put that there. And it's a habit that we all can improve on and we can do and we can make possible because I've done it. And um, one of the other things too, like I, like you said, go back to that time become so efficient. I remember Pat Flynn. I'm a big fan of Pat Flynn too. Yeah. Um, he's uh, in a podcasting space A podcast, uh, but excuse me, Pat, one of the things that he shares was that he started doing, getting down to like inbox zero. And I was like, man, what kind of crack, Pat, smoking. I don't know where you can get to inbox zero. I got 200 right now, 180 emails looking at me in the face. And it's like, but what I started to realize was that you efficient, become efficient at your time. And then also, fortunately for, for me, I have a team now, right? Yeah. And I've been, as I get more, we're expecting our first little guy later this year and actually yeah. like a month and a half, two months, dude, it's scary. Right. <laughs> it's exciting and all that stuff wrapped in one, but, uh, yeah. I know I need to protect that time even more. So one of the things my executive assistant's now doing more of my emailing, right? So she starts actually literally this week because we recognize that I wanted to be in control of so many things, certain things I can get help with. So we created a plan and she's she knows what to do with some of my emails, certain things that I need to respond to. Yeah. She's going to market so I can get back to it, but things that we can take care of, she's doing that. And that's where you're talking about optimizing your time. You really just need to become efficient. We can't, we can't all of a sudden manufacture and put an extra two hours in a day. Yeah. We can't. However, we can stay up later, but this is going to take away from something from the time you have to sleep, take away from family time, take away from you going out, take away mm -hmm. from your personal time. So what can you do? You really optimize that time. Yeah. I literally created a data planner, a daily planner. And that's where I'm saying I'm playing with something. So in the future, pe people might see that, but it's All a right. paper and we might do a digital one as well, yeah. but it will connect with our Gmail. But one side, what I do the day before, I write down each of the different uh, must do tasks in different categories for my business, as well as for, I have sections for clients, for my different clients, what must be done for them. And then on the other side of the page, there's a way to track that stuff. And I put in there the, um, you know, the activities now that I just mentioned that I must get done. They yeah. have to get done. And then I'm able to grade my day to see if I hit a, a, a 100% or 90% or B. And if it's, if I realize I'm not hitting it, what am I doing wrong? Mm. Ask myself some questions end of the day, but it's been helping me be so much more efficient because I want to maximize those time, that time period that I have that I'm utilizing. It's so interesting that you talk about that, right? And I'll, because yep. I've been interviewing some high performing um, salespeople, and uh, because I, I just want to, I'm doing a bit of a study on, you know, what makes them a little bit different, right? And mm -hmm. though that, that planning component 
is something that's coming up as one of the top things is going, right, I know what my key activities are. They're also, um, you know, they protect and go, if it's not an urgent task that needs to be done straight away, it gets it gets it gets um, planned. It gets calendar that they they diarize it. Um, you yeah. know they've got their prospecting and they go, man, we need to protect our prospecting. And I know people keep saying time block, and we hear it a lot, right? Um, but yeah. they are religiously they're going. No, these are the activities that I need to do. I need to work on pipe. I need to make sure all my daily activities that are in my CRM they're not out of control, and I have a set amount during the day, and I need to make sure they're actioned. And so they're following all these little um, key tasks on a daily basis, and they are—they're very—they're very, very well planned. And I, I do find that um, that's what's you know one of the key differentiators between you know mediocre and high performance. You know, and here's the thing too, bro. I'm telling you, I'm the first one to tell you, I am not the smartest tool in a shed. <laughs> I am not the 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 quickest. I'm not any of that stuff. I'm not the slickest with my words. However. I am going to hustle and work hard based on what I've seen that my family have done before. And I'm going to push myself. And when it comes towards the time, like, bro, I'm telling you, man, like some people who are, who I see people who are talented, who could, you know, ask proper question, could diagnose really well and just have these, this capability of being a great seller, but they just don't do it, man. It's just like (laughs) we said, they whine or they complain and all this stuff. And all you have to do is just put your time down. If you do the things instead of saying, well, nobody's answering the phone or nobody's responding (laughs) to my emails or nobody is, you know, connecting with me on LinkedIn, then idiot, switch it up, change (laughs) some things, make some time to learn what to do and then do it. And that's all that I've done. And I'm like, you could beat me. You should be beating me. But all it is comes back down to it's like you're just not doing anything. I guarantee you I will take somebody who's willing to do stuff, no matter if it's not exactly perfect or exactly right, over somebody who knows what to do and doesn't Doesn't do it it. any single day. Straight up. I love that, man. You know, it's, it's funny, man, because I, I'm, I'm working with, I work with a number of different clients and then I have the guys that are going, man, I've been doing this for 20 years, 10 years. What can you teach me? Why should I change? I'm like, well, hang on. I, I, I say it with the most respect and diplomacy because I don't want to insult anyone, but I'm like, how are you traveling to Target? And I'm like, well, well, we're 60%, 70%, you know, but the leads are crap and this, and they give me all these reasons why. And I'm like, but what you're telling me is the stuff that works, it's proven to work. You don't mm-hmm. want to do it. <laughs> no. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know that if you do this, the dial shifts. You know yeah. that your prospecting today impacts you in 60, 90 days. But then you don't do it. You don't do the the work required for success. You know, it's such an interesting place, you know, the sales world of people that know the, the answers are there. You know what I mean? We know it. Yeah. The books haven't changed. Like, I've got some great books that I've been reading and, and it's awesome stuff. But some of the concepts... I read, you know, 20 years ago when I first started reading sales books. Um, the concepts yeah. are the same, man. Straight up, it is all the same. And it's it's amazing though, like, because uh, I, I feel that sometimes we think that because time evolves and technology evolves <laughs> that we, you know, the world's going to change and people are not going to be human anymore. Like people are yeah. still human from the, you know, 
100 years ago to the to today <laughs> is the same thing the ways that we go about doing our things are maybe a little bit different but understand people understand human yeah. being and just follow the core the, i guess their eternal laws right or yeah. just like you know gravity for instance gravity ain't gonna change if you're living on earth gravity <laughs> is gravity right you drop something jump off a cliff it's, you're still gonna fall <laughs> that's, but that's the, i think sometimes we think oh it's gonna be different it's gonna be changed it's not gonna work like no come on let's follow those same <laughs> eternal practices and, um, you know, and, and we're going to see success, but you got to do stuff. You really, Absolutely, really do have man. to do stuff. So I want to ask you a question. If you could go back in time and do it all over again in your career, what's one thing you do differently? The biggest thing that I would say that I would do differently would be I would start working smarter. Yeah, okay. If I knew what, if I could do then what I know and capable of doing now, Bro, I would be in a, 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 I'll be in a, a heap of difference. Here's several things that I would do. My first podcast, because I sold to city, county governments, and municipalities. Yeah, I would have started another podcast around um, selling to government or something about the government. I would have then interviewed a bunch of my potential customers in some of these government organizations, and I could have helped my organ this company I was working with do that. Right. And when I interview the folks, it would then give me an opportunity to get a leg or a foot in the door way better than just trying to cold outreach them. So that's yeah. one thing that I would have done. And that would have catapulted me. We have a different department, different section for um, city county government for city county governments and in the private sector. So I would have done something similar to that. Mm. Um, and then understanding what I know now, I would have gotten my company to give me the funding to help pay for it. And then essentially they're paying for me to grow my own pipeline and to help get their notoriety, but also give it a good opportunity for me to, um, uh, to then utilize, I would also utilize my, my capabilities with my virtual team yeah. um, because I wouldn't have to do all the work. So I would have done that and that would have been able to help me, but think about a prospect and efforts that would have been, been more effective with that. Yeah. Um, another thing that I would have done a um, little bit different back then, I would have started planning like real diligent planning um, sooner and to yeah. make sure I became Nazi with my KPIs as opposed to not letting my boss become the one that, you know, <laughs> oversaw my KPI. But really, I should have become, especially as a younger guy, become a little bit more um, diligent with that. Yeah. Um, and then the final point, point that I would share um, that probably would have done different is, you know, I think I would... I would look for more opportunities to help people. Yeah. And I mean, early on, I think we all, we all need to, it's like a, on an airplane, right? You need to put on your own mask first mm. before you help other people, but still yet yeah, you can do things to help others. And I think I should have looked, I would have looked for more means to guide and help other people um, besides doing a podcast, but yeah. ways I could definitely directly help them. So now that's fantastic, man. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, and yeah. given that you've, you know, you've interviewed so many people and you've got, you know, the TSC, it's, 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 it's cooking. Um, in your opinion, is sales a science or an art? Oh, dude, I think it's a, it has to be a combination of both. Yeah. And I'll explain why I feel that no one is just born. Okay. Let's back that up. Some people may be born with yeah. an ability to help others persuade, um, and be very persuasive. But I think a great seller is not necessarily trying to persuade somebody to do something that they don't want to do. It's helping that individual persuade themselves to do something that's in their best interest. 
and they agree to that. So that's one. So some people do have those abilities to be able to ask better questions, cognitive skills and things like that. Yes. However, you can be trained on it. So therefore, there's a science part, you know, scientific, anyone can be trained on it, anyone can do it, anyone can make it happen. The art comes in in the delivery of it. And again, I do believe that there are, um, that part is like, you know, you're going to include your personality, you're going to, the way your tone, it's your IQ, your, you know, your emotional uh, IQ as well, and all of those factors tie in into the artistic form of it. And that definitely can be done through practice and through improvement. So I believe there's a scientific part, the numbers, the data, analytics, understanding, um, being analytical, those things are there. And then the data of, I mean, the the artistic point part of performance or delivering it um, can be also developed. So those two areas, and it would be my answer. Oh, awesome, man. And you're probably the, you know, the, one of the best person to answer that question. So I really appreciate it, man. And look, um, this has been awesome. And I could talk to you for hours, man. Your voice is just awesome to talk to and you've got so much um, knowledge. But before we let you go, where can our listeners find more about you? And I'll put all that in the show notes. Um, dude, um, best place they can go actually is go back to the sales evangelist. Um, yeah. You know, actually scratch that. Let's just keep this simple. Just connect with me on LinkedIn. Go to uh, Donald C. Kelly. Because here's why. Because I personally respond to everyone. So we, if you, we will, they'll help us have a meaningful dialogue. And um, But just respond, send me an invite. Tell me you yeah. found me on the Sales IQ podcast. And I will connect with you and we'll chat. And then from there, from that standpoint, you know, maybe if you're interested in like training or coaching, we can go that route. Or if you're interested in learning more about our show, we can show you how you can download it or give you access to that. But Absolutely. just go through there. All right, awesome. And we'll put links to TSE, um, to your website and your LinkedIn profile so people can find you, man. And Don, I just want to say before I let you go, and I know I said this earlier, but I have listened to hundreds of your episodes. Um, I have <laughs> not just learned a bucket load but you've helped me become a better sales professional for listening to your show, man. And I just want to say I'm I'm not just humbled and privileged that you've said yes to coming on our show, but I want to thank you for your contribution to our profession, mate, because it's people like you that, you know, remove that stigma of what some people think sales is, is man. It's a profession. It's a skillful profession. And, you know, what you've done for our profession is fantastic, man. So I just want to show gratitude and say thank you, man. Oh, dude, man. Thank you so much. I'm humbled to hear that. And I, I super, I'm super appreciative of it enough, the fact that you actually listen to the show. And, and so many people who listen to it, I just get, again, I was just a kid doing a show and, <laughs> you know, sharing some stuff. And the fact that thousands of people and you know all over the world you're like a light year seems like away from me <laughs> and that you've benefited from our show it just it's humbles it's humbling and i'm grateful and thankful to hear that so appreciate it man no worries man we appreciate you man how good was that hearing donald talk about where he's come from what he's produced and the impact these podcasts has had on him was amazing What I love about Donald is his mindset. He truly is someone that's committed to developing his craft. And over that time, he's helped thousands upon thousands of people globally get better at what they do every day. Me, I have learned so much from Donald. I have learned so much from his shows. And I know that I have so much more to learn. 
So my challenge to you is, what's the mindset that you're taking in your day? What's the mindset you're taking in your personal life, in other areas of work, so that you can be the best sales professional you can be?